Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Tonight's a special night. Uh, Amen. Rome and Rosie have been here for a long time. Uh, uh, Amen. Wanted uh, many years ago, uh, I remember Rome come talking to me, said, listen, Pastor, I want to preach. Believe God's called us to preach, and I said, "Well, just hold on, help help us build here, work hard, uh, and God will open a door for you." That door's been open. Amen. They're going to go to Hampton Pioneer Church, and so let's give him a big old hand as he comes tonight. Amen. You guys excited? Nervous? <laughs> Tell you something. Uh, Rosie and I have dreamed of this moment <laughs> since we came out of that baptismal tank. No, I'm kidding. Pastor Brooks did baptize us, though, and uh, I tried to get the picture so I could show you. He's always looked like a bodyguard as long as I've known him. <laughs> I'm not kidding, you guys. He's standing in the background after... Uh, Rosie and I are giving our testimony. He's like this. <laughs> so I thought about him because when Pastor McLaughlin was saying how you go to the altar and you pray, you know, there's somebody in the church that's like, yeah, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. That's exactly what his face was saying. He said, that's cool and all, man. And uh, Pastor Brooks, uh, thank you because I really do appreciate that. Um, and so i got a lot to talk about tonight, Um, and so Matthew chapter 4 is the text. I won't stay too long talking and stuff like that, Um, but uh, we're going to have some fun. And so Matthew chapter 4, I promise, you know, I was uh, watching the Pastor Paul Stevens sermon while he was at conference, and as soon as he said, turn to Matthew 4, I was in my work truck going to the next job. I turned it off. Because I was writing my sermon uh, last week, just trying to put it all together, and uh, then they showed it this morning, and so I was done with it, and I watched it with freedom, um, but uh, it, was, it was an amazing message, and so I am going to preach out of that text, but uh, there's a story written by S.I. McMillan. Actually, he wrote a book called None of These Diseases, and in that book, he has a short story about a young woman who wanted to go to college. But her heart sank when she began to read the question on the application. And the question said, are you a leader? And so she looked at this and being both honest and conscientious, she dropped her head and she wrote in no. And she returned the application expecting the worst. And so to this young lady's surprise, she received a letter from the college. And the letter said this. It said, dear applicant. A study of the application forms revealed 
that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. And we are accepting you because we feel it is imperative that we have at least one follower. And so when I read this, that's me. That's my life. When I, I remember being in middle school, I had a conference with my principal, my mom, and myself. And I was, a, you know, Mr. Class Clown. I know that's really hard to imagine. That was me when I was a kid. I had to get all the attention. Uh, I had to always wear the, the, new, the newest shirt to match the shoes. And uh, I got in a lot of trouble. And I remember having a conference, and the principal said to my mom, she said, Ms. Kovos, you know, Roman is a really good kid. The problem with Roman, though, is he is a follower and not a leader. And so I remember getting so mad about that when she said that. I mean, like, I, I, I just got so upset, and I, was, I tried to convince my mom and the principal, how do you know I don't be Convincing people to do what I do. And, and they're like, no, shush, boy, you a follower. You a follower. And so I walked out of there so mad. And I thought about what they said to me when I walked into this church. Because Rosie and I came here in 2009. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And one thing that always kept me coming was I really wanted to be like the men in the church. It was something about the men in the church that I saw and I said, I got to have that for myself. And what I didn't realize until after getting saved, until after being converted, was being like these men led me to be like Christ. And being like Christ, I was more of an individual than I had ever been my whole life. And so we're going to look at what Jesus did with his disciples tonight in a sermon, simple sermon, we've heard it before, called it Follow Me. And looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, familiar text, and we read, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and Andrew and his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Let's pray tonight, church. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, to be here. God, to be in this place right now for my family, God, to be allowed, God, and be trusted, God, to go into another city, God, and replicate what we have here in the Mother Church. God, I thank you, God, for all the investment that has been poured into our lives. I thank you, God, for my pastor and his wife. God, I thank you, God, for my brothers and sisters that are listening here tonight. I hide behind your cross. I pray, Father God, that you will open our hearts, Lord God. God, as this, Lord God, is a continuing process to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So follow me. And so first I want to look at the God moment here. In our text, we see the first encounter with Jesus and his disciples. And most of our Bibles is subtitled, The Fisherman. And uh, it's titled The Four Fishermen Called as Disciples. But what this was was something most of us in this room, if not one time or another, would experience called the God moment. Most of us in here have had that. I remember reading a book and it was called uh, The Resolution for Men. 
And actually what this book is about is encouraging men to be godly fathers. And so in this book, there's a short story. And the author says uh, in the book that I want you to imagine if Jesus came to you in a dream and he said, come with me tonight. I'm going to show you someone. There are many like these in the earth today. And so Jesus takes you along. And you begin to go into this apartment where you see a man curled up and he's having withdrawals from overdosing. And you see him and you're looking at him. The apartment is filthy. There's alcohol bottles that's uh, tipped over. They're empty. You see drugs. You see uh, all types of uh, cigarette butts. And you see this man shaking and crying out for help. But there's no one in this apartment to help him. And the author goes on to elaborate what you're looking at in the apartment. And and then you say, Jesus, who is this? And so he says, I'm going to show you this man when he was a boy sitting in church with his dad. And so now Jesus takes you into this old southern church. It's very small, maybe about 20 people in the church. And you see this man's dad uh, now sitting in there with then his girlfriend. And the altar call comes forward. He has the God moment presented. He doesn't answer the altar call. The girl who is his girlfriend with child ends up having the baby. She's left to raise the baby on her own. Uh, He doesn't have a father figure. And so he turns to the streets. He turns to fighting. He becomes a womanizer. He turns to drugs. All these different influences because his dad didn't respond. And then he fast forwards you back into the room where that guy's having that withdrawal. And he says, this is what this man looks like because his father didn't choose Christ. And so the the author goes on. He shows you now what would have happened if his father responds. His father responds to the altar call. And then you begin to see men and women in the church, small little church, but they begin to love on this couple. And then they begin to have them over. And then they are inspired by marriages in the church. So he asks his girlfriend to marry him. They have the baby. They stay faithful to the church and so on and so forth. And then he fast forwards you to this man and you're in this guy's house that was having a withdrawal. Now you're looking at him at the dinner table with his family. What I'm talking about here tonight is the God moment. Peter and Andrew had a God moment. The Bible says so it was as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God. He stood at the lake of Uh, and saw two boats standing there by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into the boat, which was Simon's boat, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught uh, for the multitudes from the boat. Imagine what's going through Peter and Andrew's mind. And so I imagine I'm reading this, You know, they're out fishing like the Bible says, or they're getting ready to go out or what have you. And nevertheless, all they turn around and all these crowds of people are coming their way. Here's Jesus. He's walking. And next thing you know, he doesn't introduce himself. He doesn't book this like you would book a U-Haul. He doesn't ask them, hey, man, you guys are done. He says, hey, get in your boat and push it out. And so they just do it. And then Jesus begins to get in the boat. And obviously, Peter and them were still fishing. And they're listening to this man. And in my mind, if that was me in my boat, I'm like, who is this guy? What is he doing in my boat? But though that may seem that Jesus just needed a boat, the fact of the matter is 
he knew exactly whose boat he was getting into. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask of my father in my name, I will give you. 312 East 25th Street was my boat. I, my wife and I never lived together. We were dating for a year and then the, we got married because I was about to deploy. And so uh, I, I looked at her. I said, you know what? I want to marry you. And so I proposed uh, in, in, in my mom's living room. And uh, it was so corny, man. My mom's like, I was about to propose. And then she stopped. And she's like, wait. And then she like went and got a camera. And then she's like, so I'm like just kind of sitting there like, come on, mom. Rosie knows about to happen. She done messed it up. The element of surprise is gone. And now I do it. And then, you know, I said something like, you know, I, yeah, I just want you to be my forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, you know, here it is, you know. So we're about to go do something for God. And so now um, I lost, what was I even talking about? Oh, the point is. We were separated for two years. And so now Fort Eustace is where we're going to be. And uh, I was a cook in the Army, and 4.30 in the morning was start time. 8 o'clock at night was when we got off. And so I remember asking a friend who got stationed at Fort Eustace, what is it like? And he said, oh, it's chill. You're going to love it. It's nothing like bomb holder. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And uh, they used to call Fort Eustis Fort Useless. And so I was like, yeah, I got to get there. I got to get there. But in the midst of me getting there, I was already starting to have a lot of things and issues in my heart. You know, me and my wife weren't on the best terms when we were dating. We loved each other, but I, I did a lot of things that was wrong. Nevertheless, she married me. And so I remember even trying to talk to one of my NCOs about God and things like that. And so, but nevertheless, my mind's on getting on Fort Eustis so I don't have to work so hard. And I moved into 312 East 25th Street. And right next to me was a brother named Rob Smith. And Rob would come out the house and he'd look at me and he'd go back in. Y'all, some of y'all remember him. And, and i look at him and, and I was going to get groceries one day and he's just standing on the door. And he's like, hey, bro. And I'm like, this brother is happy. Like, he is a happy guy. And so one day he knocks on my door and he says, hey, man, uh, I'm going to have a barbecue. I said, that's cool, man. What time? And uh, he was just so excited for me to come. I go back in the house. Rosie, we got invited to the neighbor's barbecue. Um, She's like, "Okay, what kind of beer do they drink? I was like, I don't know. I was like, well, uh, let's go over there, and then when, when I see what they're drinking, I'll go to the store. She said, cool. And so we go, and we at the um, fellowship, and everybody's fellowshipping. I don't see one beer. And I'm like, hmm. Then I start, like, really paying attention. I don't hear one cuss word. And so I'm like, hmm. I said, hey, Rob, uh, who is all these people, man? He's like, people from your job. He's like, no, nah, this is my church family. I said, church family? (laughs) Jesus got in my boat. Can Jesus get in your boat? In other words, can he invade your life for him to minister to other people? He doesn't need a schedule. I want to talk about decisions to sacrifice. Let's look at our main text again, but I want to look at that in Luke. Luke 5. 4 and 11. It elaborates. It brings us out to life a little bit. It says, when they had, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. 
excuse me, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and to help them. And they were filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it, fell down at Jesus knees, saying, depart from me, for I know I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all that were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. So three things I want to look at in deciding to sacrifice yourself when Jesus says, follow me. One is taking God at his word. Jesus Launch into the deep. Peter, Lord, we've been toiling all night. But nevertheless, you know, when I started coming to church, fast forward now, my wife and I came to a concert. We was liking everybody. It, we, and we kind of was coming on and off, to be honest with you. We didn't just lock in like that. But I saw the love of people. Just, I saw them trying. And so now the Bible study is at Brother Rob's house, and now he's asking me to go to Bible study. And so I'd go, and Rosie and I would go. And so here it is now, you know, sometimes we'd even, uh, right after a Bible study, we'd go home, open up a Corona, and be like, man, that was good. That was really good. That was really good. And, and we was meaning it. Brother was learning. And one night Rob comes over and says, hey, Rome, it was Rob and another brother in the church. He says, uh, you want to go with us to the Bible study outreach? I'm like, whoa, bro, I don't do, you know, look, I really like you guys, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do, like, talk about people, talk to people about you. He said, no, 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 look, you come and we'll do the talking. Just put the flyer in their hand. And so here it is. I've been toiling. The excuses. God, do you really want me to? God, but if I come to church, God, night service, I, I've been coming to morning service. Outreach, I come to Wednesdays now. And so here it is. God, I don't, but I said, you know what? I, I like these guys. Okay, bro, I'll go. And so every single door that night, they knock on the door. It was like looking at Rosie and me. Every door. The things that the people had been through. The, the, the way that people were raised, uh, the witness and how people were going through things in their lives. And it's like every door God was showing me, this is you. This is you. This is you. And then what convicted me so bad was that one time when one of the doors there and the couple is crying and the guys are like, yeah, because like, you know, we're all going to heaven. What about you? And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm holding back my tears with them. I ain't going to heaven. Just being real. <laughs> but you know what? Taking God at his word when he challenges you, when Peter was challenged and he saw what God could do, when he threw it down and pulled up all them fish, it led him to repentance. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He's seen for the first time the goodness of God in his life. And that's what happened. When I went home from that outreach, they like, all right, 
Rome, thanks for coming. And man, I, the conviction of the Holy Ghost was on me so bad. And I began to go in my fridge. I had 22 Coronas. I drank two out of a 24 pack. And I began to cry and pour them in the sink. And Rosie walked in the kitchen and was like, what is going on? And I said, you know what? I don't want to be a fake Christian. And when I heard those words, I don't want to be a fake Christian. It was like something snapped in me. Something said, I can never go back to that life. You see, when taking God at his word leads us to repentance, the next thing is we have to make a choice. For he and all that were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And also, so were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. Some of us hear the word of God and we begin to, you know, say this is good. But if you're going to continue to hear the word of God, God now demands that you make a choice. And so here it is. They've got the big catch in the boat. Think about this. This is their life's wages. This is why they get up every day is to provide. Not only do they provide, maybe they actually enjoy doing what they was doing. And so they got the catch of the lifetime. And at some point, God gets us at a crossroads where even if he does bless us with a big catch, we have to make a choice. For some, that big catch is being healed from a deadly sickness. For others, it could be financial breakthrough or maybe a job that's finally been prayed for and you got it. Or maybe you're out of debt now. Maybe it was a savings account that you've always tried to build and now you have it. Maybe that big catch is finally seeing that spouse saved or that family member saved. Maybe that big catch is a mental breakthrough. Maybe it was forgiving somebody that you thought you'd never have the power to forgive them. The big catch can go on and on and on. But with all these wonderful things, we have to be careful that the blessing doesn't become our Jesus. Remember, he said, man, wasn't there nine or there were ten of you guys? Where's the other nine? Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Pastor Adam back with you again. Just wanted to give you this report that uh, you have been doing a great job of sharing the news of this podcast and continuing to download uh, episodes on a daily basis. The show has been growing by leaps and bounds. There's more of you listening now than at any other time in the podcast history. So we just want to say thank you once again for tuning in and listening to these anointed sermons. We just want to ask you one thing real quick. If you could do us a favor and leave us a review, especially those of you on Apple devices, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Uh, we need some five-star reviews, and also uh, if you could leave a few notes in there about what you like best about this podcast, it would really, really help us. I'm sure that you know somebody who could use a daily podcast to get them through the day. Please make sure you share it with them. And uh, also, uh, we are trying to get our hands on sermons from all across our fellowship. If you've got some good ones to share with us, We'd encourage you to please contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to feature your sermons from your church as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this sermon. God can bless you and I with a big catch. That's nothing for him. But what he's looking at is if he gives it to you, can he also tell you to let it go and he know you'll follow 
The building pledge was a great example of that. Here are men and women. The spirit of God was so heavy in that church service that Sunday night. I mean, we could all feel Pastor Spirit when he's preaching. And as he's telling the story, man, how he's blown away. I mean, the thermometer broke. I said, God, this is all. I told Pastor, I was like, man, we're like Gideon's army, man. We're, we're not the biggest army in Newport News, but we're strong and mighty. We can do some things. And, and a lot of people in here, that, those finances were planned for and sacred to you. But God moved. And please believe, like Pastor said, if you can let it go, God will do more than what you can imagine. This is why we dedicate our children. The children that we pray for and we love on it. We, this is why we bring them and say, God, these children are yours. I think about Pastor Howard and his wife. You know, they're very special to me and Rosie because we had a, a, a friendship bond. But I'll be honest with you. I watched from afar when they were in Chesapeake and when they were pastoring. And, you know, I'm looking at what God is doing through them. And they went from their family to 50 members in 12 months. And I'm looking at that. I'd go over there. I remember leaning in. We had a revival. And I lean in, and one of his disciples was there. I said, man, you see that guy? You see that guy? You see that And uh, I was like, man, that's, you know, they came from our baby. And I'm thinking about this. And somebody that's going out to preach, I mean, in 12 months, you give me 50 people, man. I don't know what I'd do, you know. And, and here it is. God calls him and his wife and stirs them for another nation. They were literally... They literally sold it all, like sold it all, had a big old yard sale and came here with their family. Talking about the big catch tonight. Can he give you your heart's desires, nothing evil, and God say, okay, now give it back. Which is a perfect segue into forsaking all. Then he said to him, follow me. Or he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets to follow him. In a book, Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman, this is a really good read. Uh, he puts having faith in Jesus and following him in two separate categories. He says this, he says, many have made the decision to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow Jesus. The gospel allows no such distinction. Biblical belief is more than just mental assent or verbal acknowledgement. Many fans have repeated a prayer or raised their hand or even walked forward at the end of a sermon and made a decision to believe. But there was never a commitment to follow. Jesus never offered such an option. He is looking for more than words of belief. He is looking to see how those words are lived out in your life. When we decide to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow him, we become nothing more than a fan. And so here it is now, I'm growing, and I'm really gleaning from what the church is putting into my wife and I. And I'm at a place now where I have to choose, enlist in the military or get out. And my mom, man, you know, God love her, because today, you know, my mom, she's come with us to many conferences. She's watched so many sermons. She still watched sermons. But back then, she sent me letters, and she sent me emails. Boy, that's a cult. Get out of there. Don't you keep going back? Why you go so much? I was like, Mom, don't you remember when I was high and crazy all the time, you know, and you were crying? And she's like, yeah, yeah, but that ain't that bad. But listen, you need to take care of your family. And I was like, listen, Mom, I'm called to preach. 
And she said, that's good. You can preach. You can be a chaplain. And I was like, yeah, but it's not the same. And so I go to the retention NCO, and I did very well in the military. One thing about being in the Army and being in a Christian or being a Christian, just don't think so much, and you will succeed. (laughs) That's all you got to do. My godfather, right when I joined the military, he said, Roman, if you want to do well, just do what you're told. And I said, okay. And I did that. Hey, Sergeant Kovos, well, before Sergeant Kovos, it was Kovos, pick that up. Roger, Sergeant. Man, he is high speed. <laughs> and it just leveled, and I did very well. And so now it's time for me to reenlist. She's got all my papers drawn up. She's got my bonus. And my wife and I, we, you know, we got to make a decision. And I said, I'm not going to reenlist. Ma'am, she was an officer. I said, I'm going to get out and preach the gospel. And that turned into a 30-minute conversation with me sharing my testimony with her. And she's like, but you can be a chaplain. And she said, just like my mom. And I'm like, look, ma'am, it's not the same. And, uh, you know, I know God's called me. If I don't get out, you know, I'm not going to really do what God's called me to do. And I reiterated my testimony, what God had did, how he saved me from perversion, how he saved me from alcohol, how he repaired my marriage, and how God wants me to go and preach the gospel. And at the end of that, she said, well, Sergeant Kovos, I can honestly say there's nothing else the United States Army has for you. You need to do what God has told you to do. I didn't know what job I was going to get. I didn't really have a plan at all, to be honest. I remember after that day, going to, it was a Wednesday, in my cook white, stained spaghetti chicken, fried chicken, and I'm sitting on the couch with a big old smile, ear to ear. And I'm like, got my legs crossed on the couch in the old church building. And uh, man, I was just full of joy. And one of the brothers said, you know why you're so happy? It's because you're in the perfect will of God. I had no plans. But when we make a decision to sacrifice or to do what God has called us to do, he is very faithful to produce. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. John twelve twenty four. And so I want to end with walking with Jesus and priceless experiences, because we know that the disciples had priceless experiences And it says here, and Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel, healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases amongst the people. You know, I am for sure that there was nothing in that fishing boat that Peter and Andrew would have experienced that would have even came close to what they experienced when walking with Jesus in three years. No amount of fish they could have ever caught. No amount of money, no amount of pleasurable sin, not even a great success would compare what they saw firsthand when following Jesus. Think about the multitude feeding 5,000 plus with three loaves of bread and a handful of fish. Think about you're there and it's breaking and you watch it multiply and you break it again and you watch it multiply and you're giving out a fish out of the basket and they just never run out. You'll never forget that. Think about the transfiguration on the mountain. I used to laugh at that because here it is. You look up, and here's Jesus, and the Bible says he's in all white, glittering, shining, better than Michael Jackson in that one I Want to Rock With You video, shining. (laughs) 
And next thing you know, he's talking to Elijah and Moses. And you're like, how do you even know that's Elijah and Moses? But you just know. like, And you're looking at this. And I, I used to laugh because as soon as Jesus, uh, Peter said something, it was over. I was like, come on, Peter. Like, you should have just watched. And, but they never would forget that. But I think about priceless experiences that I've had in the kingdom of God. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget Pastor Alvin Smith. Who want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Come on. And my wife goes, because I was scared. And Rosie goes, she goes without me, didn't look for me. Like, she just was like. And I was like, I was like, oh, snap. Like, and then I was standing there, and then I'm like, man, I'm going to be a punk if she get it, and I don't get it. Like, I want to get it too. Like, and like, I'll never forget that. And we both got filled. Or the time, I remember the time, you know what I'm saying, where, you know, my father-in-law, he was, you know, most of you guys know, he went into eternity. He died, excuse me, from cancer. And his whole left side, I mean, his right side was paralyzed because of a stroke. And I remember we're sitting in the hospital. And, man, it was so sad, man, just family members sitting there. And something was burning in my wife. She says, Rome, we got to pray. I mean, and, she, and we got up, man, we start laying hands. And we're just praying. And none of these people are saved but me and Rosie. And everybody start praying. When we prayed, everybody start praying. And he's doing like this. He's like, whoa. And the doctor came in and seen it. And he was like, whoa. Like, I mean, I'll never forget that. Never forget that. Never forget that. Or the time I remember Izzy. He was like two years old. And he was in the living room. And he was like, dad. What are you? And he never did that, ever. Izzy, I think Izzy was like, I really think like Izzy's really the pastor, and I'm supposed to just like let him grow up. And then like, he's been talking super clear since like one. I'm not kidding you. But he was doing this weird thing with his tongue, and I was like, that's demonic. And Rosie and I grabbed his tongue and said, give me your tongue. And I grabbed his tongue, and, and we start praying over him. And he was like, Dad, what's the matter? Never forget that. Ever forget that. I'll never forget knocking on Curtis's door. Rosie knocked on the door. And he looked out the door. And, and, and we're fresh, new converts, maybe two months now saved. And Curtis opens the door like, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> had, a, had, a, had a tank top on. He just got done partying. And my wife calls me over. I don't even know what I said. And now he's my best. I mean, I've watched him grow in the Lord. I've watched Curtis one day on the drums. Then he hopped over here to the guitar, and he was like, beep, 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 beep. Okay, yep, that's good. <laughs> then he got to the bass. Doo, 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 doo. Yep, that's good. Then he went to the keyboard, and he was like, okay, we're good. And I was like, Curtis, did you play any instruments before salvation? He was like, nope. I mean, Priceless. Priceless. I remember one time when Pastor Mitchell really saved my bacon. Me and Rosie were going through a lot. Remember Pastor uh, Dion's sermon, M&M's, marriage and ministry, going through it real bad. And I said, Pastor, can I just, can we get a coffee? Pastor sat down with me, and he probably doesn't even remember all the stuff that he told me that day, but, you know, he opened himself up to me about marriage and ministry, personal things that he had been through in his life with him and his wife, things that to this day I'm still hearing those things and that advice, and it saved me. 
saved me. I remember Pastor Brooks. When we were new converts, we had a big fallout. A lot of people left. A lot of their close friends that were in the Lord with them left. And I remember it was like Pastor Brooks and Miss Carla, you know, they stood so solid. They didn't move. It was like, you know, I watched them and they never wavered. And I was like, man, he's a man of God. The people that I thought were like men of God and these people encouraged me to do something for God. It was like when a lot of stuff was falling around, the men of God were really standing up. I was like, man, that's a man of God. Watching Ricky and Rebecca, I remember they were crazy, y'all. Crazy. I wrecked my car because of Ricky and Rebecca, man. Crazy. He's at it again. And I'm like, and Rosie's like, let's go. And so I wrecked my car trying to get out. I'm like, oh, dang. We go to his house, man. And, and, but, man, on fire for God today. Kids in ministry. And then a lady, I'm going to tell you how good God is, real quick, commercial break. A lady, I was at PT, she backed into my car, right? And so I'm walking to the car after PT, and then, like, she's standing in front of my car. I'm like, what was the matter? She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I hit your car. I was like, for real? (laughs) Oh, man. In the same spot, too. I was like, I guess we got to get insurance. (laughs) Look at God, y'all. And so I'm telling you, I can go on and on, but I have real friendships in here. Hearing James' testimony, one day he stood up and talked about how he got out of the military and wanted to do something for God. I saw James's face all the times that I was thinking, like, should I get out? Should I, should I stay? Should I? I was like, man, if he can do it, I can do it. Encouraging me. All of this from walking with Jesus. I can go on and on. How many pastors do we have in here? Pastors' wives, door directors, door directors' wives, future drama leaders, future Sunday school leaders, future Sunday school teachers, future rappers, future bands, future outreach uh, leaders, future sound men. How many more do we have in here that all you have to do is when Jesus says, follow me, just got to start walking with him. Jesus didn't ask anybody to be perfect that followed him. He just said, follow me. You know, when I thought about going to Hampton, that wasn't the first place where we wanted to go. You know, I had other cities in mind, and I believe in God that the first church, the first potter's house that goes to Williamsburg will be out of Newport News. I'm believing God for that. And I used to work in Williamsburg, and I had a burden. I said, man, I could see something happening here. You know, most people see it as a retirement city, or they just see it as a touristy city. And that is all true, but I started to see the people there. And so I began to have a burden for it. And I prayed over the years, and I talked to the pastor, and he says, well, keep praying. Time went on, like Pastor said in his sermon tonight, or uh, introducing me tonight, that I talked to him about I want to do something for God. He says, it'll happen, Rome, just Keep being faithful. And so here it is. Now I'm doing work in, uh, in, uh, in, in plumbing. And I'm going from city to city, sometimes Williamsburg, sometimes Duper News, sometimes Hampton. And I remember about six to eight months ago, every time I'd leave Hampton, the, the feeling would be on me like God pressing on me. And so I started to feel that. And 
I, I used to pray, God, send somebody. God, this is a, you know, God, you know, people have labored here. God, people have invested here. The Whites, the Busics, uh, the Salanoa. People have put in time. The Gafors. People have invested in the city. God, send somebody. Send some. And I'm praying, but I was still praying that God would tell me exactly if I'm called to go there. Uh, and, you know, I had other places as well. But I remember one time I was driving home. And it was quiet, and I was just on my way home, really minding my business. And the Holy Spirit said, why don't you do it? Just like that. And so I had things that I wanted to do, but Jesus says, follow me. It's okay to have ambitions. That big catch, there was nothing wrong with what was in that net. But if they would have kept their eyes on that, Jesus would have been gone. There are times when you and I have to be sensitive to the spirit of God. It could be whatever. Jesus says, follow me, because the truth of the matter is this. The follow me in our lives, that spirit of God telling us to do something for him is going to keep going. God's going to call you to follow him to this. He's going to call you to follow him to that. He's going to call you to follow him to being a better spouse. He's going to call you to follow him into being a giver. He's going to call you to follow him to preach the gospel. He's going to call you to follow him to be a better parent. At the end of the day, as long as we have breath in our lungs and we're saved, there is something else that Jesus is doing because he's on the move. We don't know where this next building is going to be, but I guarantee you Jesus will be there. And so if he says, follow me, will you go? Because our lives are a chapter book, and every chapter has a story to tell. But praise God for the chapter that starts off with following Jesus. But does it continue? Amen. That's all I have tonight. In respect to your neighbor and those around you, I thank you. This is a humbling experience, and we're very excited at the same time. And so if you're in this place, I know we're all family in here tonight, all of us. But if you're not saved, the first thing that Jesus called them to do was to be saved. We need to have salvation. We need to be right with Jesus. We need to be saved. If you're not saved and you want to give your life to Jesus, it's as simple as raising your hand. That's it. And following him to the altar. If you're in this place and you're not saved, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you can slip it up and put it right back down. Anybody in this place, don't have Jesus in your heart. If you know, you'd, it, you know if you'd step into eternity, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be right with God. You wouldn't make heaven your home. You've got sin in your heart. You want to slip it up and put it right back. Just slip it up, put it right back down if that's you. Or maybe once had that relationship with God, once was walking with Jesus, just like the disciples, but instead you turned and started to do other things and you say, you know what? I need to get back. I need to, I need to pick up my cross, pick up my cross of prayer, pick up my cross of Bible reading, pick up my cross of evangelism, pick up my cross of loving my neighbor, pick up my cross and follow Jesus. If that's you in this place, you can slip it up, put it right back down. Say, that's me. I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm beginning to follow Jesus. Anybody? Amen. Talking to the church then. Church, it's really not that hard, like I said. Being a Christian, 
is just following Jesus. He's the one that's really making things happen. We can deceive ourselves and think we're the ones that's making things happen, but we're not. Jesus is the one making things happen. All he asks us to do is follow him. We think a lot. And so I want to encourage you tonight because we really have turned the page in our congregation. We really have turned the page. And what, what is to happen next is the, the quest for revival. And so I want to open up these altars for prayer. These altars are open tonight. You can come, get a hold of God, pray, and um, just talk to God tonight. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you, Jesus. God, we give you all the glory. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.